have been in a series since the beginning of the year called A Shaking and an Awakening, and uh, I just can't get finished with it, and then I, I get my notes going on, and God gives me something completely different. It's just the strangest thing. It's, just, it's the most odd thing. So uh, anyway, I want to talk to you a little bit about making room uh, for the Holy Spirit to move among us. How many know you've got to make room in your life for the Holy Spirit? I want to uh, start off with just a little tidbit of how God guides and directs. A lot of people, you know, uh, you know they find a, a personal trainer, a personal person that can organize their life, and, and they have their goals, and, and you know, uh, people are real big on making goals and fulfilling them. I do that. I think that's a great thing. But one thing you've got to know about the Lord is, and there's some things about this I like and some things about this I don't like. He will not tell you every detail of what he's doing. In fact, Hebrews 11:6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must, number one, believe he is, and two, believe he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God will lead you one step at a time. In fact, Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Then the next verse says, don't be like the horse or the mule that must be led by bit and bridle. That is by an outward pull. We should be led by an inward pull, not an outward pull. Yes or no? So if your game plan is to strategize and plan everything about your life, guess what you just did? You just planned God out of your day. That went real big. God leads a step at a time. Everybody say it. God leads a step at a time. Hmm. Now none of this is in my notes yet, so here we go. I did want to mention this reference, and I think about this a good bit, Acts 9, where Saul, who later became Paul, was called by God. And this is uh, just one thing that happened there, but I want to read these verses. Verse 3, Acts 9, 3, as he journeyed, as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and he had been persecuting Christians. He had got permission from the authorities to put Christians in jail and at times kill them. In fact, he held the coats of those that, um, that, that killed Stephen uh, by stoning. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, this is interesting. Lord, what do I do? He's laying on the ground. He can't see because of the blinding light. God's dealing with him. Jesus has appeared to him. Then the Lord said to him, arise. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Wait, 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 wait. Why didn't he just say what he wanted him to do? Why didn't he just tell him right out, straight up? He didn't, because there's something about faith that God wants from you and me. And he wants not only faith, but he wants obedience. Even if you don't understand what's happening, now, when I said that, you know what I just heard inside? There are several in this room. You can't figure out what's happening in your life right now. You can't figure out why you are where you are doing what you're doing. And you know what? The problem is you're trying to figure it out. And what God wants you to do is take that to your knees and say, Father God, what are you doing and saying in me? There are elements and areas of life where he wants you to walk by faith 
and not by feelings. I can tell you, mother, I, I didn't, I, I, Lord, how am I going to do this? I start talking and other things come out other than what I planned. And he changed it yesterday and he's changing it now again. So uh, my life, I never planned to do what I'm doing. I planned on being a businessman. I planned on making money. I wanted to have a family. God graced me with a wonderful family. But I never planned on doing what I'm doing. But see, God's got plans that you don't understand. And now you know what? You need to plan wisely because Jesus is coming back. And it might interrupt your personal plans. But I can tell you, if, if, you're, if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will direct your steps, guide your way, and make sure you're blessed the entire journey. How many hear what I'm saying? So, you, you know, it's time to seek the Lord. Uh, Wow, why am I feeling that, Lord? There's somebody, you got it all mapped out, planned out. You need to take that map and lay it at Jesus' feet. Say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? So arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. See, obedience. See, that first step. Why did, why did Jesus say that to Saul? He just wanted him to take a step of obedience to see if he would listen to what he's saying without trying to figure it out with his head first. If you're a person that has to figure out what God's doing in your head first before you do it, you'll never have an experience with God that's worthwhile. Verse 7, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, with his, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by, uh, him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now, why did they do that? Probably because he said, well, I was laying on the ground. He said, who are you? <laughs> and he couldn't see him. He said, well, all I know is I've got to go into Damascus. That's the city, obviously, Jesus was talking about. I will go into Damascus, and, and y'all just take me there. Well, what you going to do? I don't know. Just take me there and find me a place to sit me down. And see, at the same time, what Saul did not know is Ananias, who was not a minister. He wasn't anointed to preach, teach, or anything. He was just a disciple of the Lord. And the Lord had appeared to him, and a vision said, Ananias. I want you to go to a man named Saul because he's in such and such a street and I want you to go lay your hands on him that he may receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost for he doesn't know how much he's going to do for me. Ananias was just a follower of the Lord and he obeyed what God said and when he ministered to Paul, Saul, who later became Paul, you know, his eyesight returned, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, it changed his world. The reason I shared that is because a step of obedience always leads to miracles. You hear what I just said? How would you feel, how would you feel if you were Moses? And, and you got the Egyptian army behind you, and you got all the Israelites with you, and you're their leader, and they're saying, what we're going to do now? You led us to the edge of this water, and we can't swim. What you going to do now? And God said, stretch your rod out. And the water parted. See, a step of obedience, when you don't even understand it, creates an atmosphere for the miraculous. I never planned to say any of this. This is the first time I've heard it myself. It is good. What am I going to say next? First Kings, Elijah called by God as a prophet the prophets of Baal had, had uh, aggravated him silly 
And he said, well, let's see which God answers by fire. Make your best sacrifice. And they flagellated themselves, cut themselves, and cried and whined, and their God did nothing. And their sacrifice lay there, unaffected. And Elijah said, okay, God, here we are. This is, this is the day. But he wasn't satisfied. He said, I tell you what, God said, pour water on the sacrifice. Fill up the canal, pour it on all the wood. Wet wood doesn't burn. It takes a miracle. And when he did what God said, the miraculous happened. God's presence consumed the sacrifice in front of the prophets of Baal. And it showed Israel who was the real God was. Is that cool? I think it's really cool. Wow. About David. I could go on and on. What is this? I could go on and on. David had been killing bears and lions with his hands because they were trying to hurt his sheep as he was a little shepherd boy. And, and, and he, he, God said, I want you to go take care of Goliath. He said, whoa, whoa, he's a little bit bigger than I am. What am I going to do? And so they gave him Saul's armor. He put it on, and he couldn't even walk with Saul's armor on. It was too big for him. And he chucked it off of himself and just picked up a few stones out of the river and took his slingshot with him. He said, God, the God that delivered me from the paw of the, of, the, of the bear and the mouth of the lion will deliver me from this great, big, tall giant. And that's what happened. See, obedience creates an atmosphere for miracles. How many hear what I just said? Now, I feel the Lord asking me to make a greater a room for a greater move of the Holy Spirit among us. And I've been feeling that, well, actually in me as a person, so I've been making personal changes. Uh, and, and it's, wow, it's been really something. And then, and then for our church, make some changes for our church. That's the reason next Sunday will be the first Sunday, uh, wow, since, um, uh, since April of 2004 that we've only had one Sunday morning service, generally speaking. We've had a few Sundays we had one service, but we've always had two, right? That's 19 years. Do you realize that? 19 years. God's been speaking to me, and I've been resisting what he's saying. number of reasons. Well, there was some personal pride involved there. Well, I can tell other pastors I'm having two services. <laughs> With that, you know. And then the other thing was, you know, we're opening the school over here soon, and we're going to have families come in. And my, my, my practical, I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm practical to the bone. I mean, you just don't know. I figure out how to, you know, I know how many minutes, for instance, it takes me to cook my breakfast in the morning. And I find out ways to make it really quick so I can save time to do so. I know it's just weird. See, I'm pragmatic. And God is, he's not necessarily as pragmatic as I am. He's got this faith thing going on. Did you hear me? But for me, it just made more sense just to have two services and keep them going because we already have the apparatus set up to do it. We've got all the people set up to do it. We've got all the volunteers ready. And so why reinvent the wheel if we, get, if we outgrow the building? And he kept saying to me on the inside, well, I want you to go to one service. And this has been going on. I haven't said anything. Now, I've mentioned it to Mir and some of the staff team, uh, Susan, of course, at home. But uh, I haven't said a whole lot otherwise. And I've uh, just been mulling it over, thinking about it, 
really for months and that you just got to know a person like me that's what I do seems like I'm doing something suddenly no it's just that you just you just figured out suddenly what I've been thinking about for a long time and once I see it's right I don't mess around I do it you know uh, I, I've never I've never um, I've never been on a surfboard but I've watched those guys that do it they got to get on the crest of the wave if you find that crest right where the water is just about to break but not quite, you can ride that a long way. And that seems like a lot of fun to me. But I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like fun. So again, the crest of the wave means if you know God's saying, for, for, saying that he wants you to do something, you do it and don't delay. Delay means you may not do it sometimes, right? But anyway. So I've been thinking about this for a long time. It wasn't sudden. It wasn't a response to all that's going on with Asbury and now all the colleges where there's praise and worship hitting and all. It has nothing to do with that. I think that's great that that's happening, don't you? I got a lot to say about that. Maybe I'll do that at another time. But this has, again, been on my heart for a long time. Um, and uh, let me say that what's happening there, and I'll come back and cover that again another time. I think it's just a precursor for uh, greater things that are going to be going on worldwide in the family of God. But it needs to be centered in Jesus, centered in the Word of God. It can't be just full of fluff and feeling. Nothing God does will be full of fluff and feeling. It will be established. It will ground you in the Word of God. How many hear what I'm saying? So. Um, we have, so getting back to why we're doing what we're doing next week, you know, I, the truth is, as I got to thinking about it, and the Lord's speaking to me, you know, we have, we will have more room for children than we've ever had. One of the reasons of way back in 2004, we went to what uh, two services was, we didn't have room for all the kids in the classrooms. We needed more room. Well, guess what? We got a whole building full of rooms, brand new rooms. And we got a lot of room that we haven't had before for classrooms, so that's taken care of. The second thing is, uh, 2004, when we uh, went to two services, our parking lot was full almost from day one when we entered the building that we, we started having services in the building on Aversboro Road, and that was October 27th, 2002. I know I know these dates. Last Sunday in October 2002, we had our first service at the building on Aversboro Road. We built, and again, we never had enough parking. So one of the reasons we had to go to two services was we needed parking space. Well, guess what? We got, a par we got parking all the way around this whole place. And we've never, what's that? And we have a lakefront view if you want to park on the lake. There, that's right. Ding, that's really good. So uh, anyway, uh, but we got plenty of parking. And then, you don't know it, but we've got a boatload of chairs in the back room, and we can rearrange these chairs and put not quite double what we have now, but a whole lot more. And then, so the Lord kept speaking to me, I want you to go to one service, and I kept saying, well, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not sure, but he finally put his thumb on it and said, I want you to do it. So why are we doing this? Well, it gives us the ability to have more freedom for the Holy Spirit to manifest. There is a limitation when you have two services because you've got to have the service stop at a certain time and then clear the children's ministry, the parking lot for the next crowd. Well, it eliminates that issue, right? Does it not? And so, again, uh, let me say, well, how's this going to work? Well, generally, we'll have services at 9 o'clock and then... Uh, and they should last, I mean, you know, what? You, so if you're thinking, well, you mean you're going to have three-hour services? I never said that. I never said that. Never. Say, Pastor Mitch never said that. Well, what did I say? It gives us room for the Holy Spirit to manifest when he wants to. 
And when he wants to, we'll have room to do that. So generally speaking, if the Holy Spirit's not manifesting in a particular way, we'll probably, you know, in service, you know, 10.30 or so, between 10.15, 10.30, maybe a little bit more. But that's about it. And then, and then if the Holy Spirit's doing something, we got room to linger, right? See, that, that's, that's, the reason, that's the reason that we're, we're doing that. So again, I just wanted to make you aware of why we're doing what we're doing and what that kind of feels like and, and looks like. Last Sunday, for instance, the Holy Spirit manifests during... Uh, during our first service, and I'm not kidding, so we did what we did, and I looked up, and I looked at the back clock, and it was uh, 10.59 when we finished the first service. Well, what happens at 11 o'clock, second service? I said, Jesus, help me. And then I, saw, I thought, Lord, help the, help the children's church teachers forgive me because <laughs> we didn't let out in time, you know, but it all worked out okay, right? So let me say about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, they cannot be forced. How many hear what I just said? I was real privileged. Can I talk just a minute because i got a number of things to say, but uh, I was privileged to live in Tulsa for eight years after Susan and I graduated from a Bible school there, Kenneth Hagin's Bible school, and I would frequent just all kinds of meetings. I went to hear uh, Lester Sumrall. Uh, uh, I went to hear Oral Roberts. I went to hear Kenneth Hagin. I went to hear many other men and women of God who, um, who were just generals in the faith and really impacted my life in a powerful way in my, in my early 20s when I lived in Tulsa. So uh, one thing I did do was because I lived close to the Rama campus, I only lived a couple of miles away, I would go when Kenneth Hagin had special meetings and he would often have, have special seminars of different kinds throughout the year. And I would frequent those seminars and I got to hear him speak and he had anecdotes of his life that he would talk about uh, in detail so one time and I've told this to my staff several times I uh, don't remember if I mentioned this Wednesday night or not but Sunday morning let me mention it uh, November 2nd 1985 was a Saturday and um, and I was on staff at a local church but I was actually I, I went out of town I took a flight to Texas to a to a te Midland Texas I tried out for a church in Midland Texas in the, the that that week of November well, uh, last week of October 1st, uh, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, right then. And I flew back into town, and I, I had met with the board of directors, and I had uh, talked to the people in the church and such, and come back in town. Kenneth Hagin was having a seminar, a prayer seminar. And uh, I actually have a cassette tape of this, and I just bought, you know, you can't you hardly find a cassette tape player now. I just found one that's got a, it's got a device where it actually turns the cassette into an MP3. I'm sort of excited about it. But anyway, I have a cassette tape of this meeting, November 2nd, 1985. And um, this meeting was unusual. Kenneth Hagin was teaching on prayer, and he was unusual. When he taught, he would do this. He would twiddle his thumbs, and, uh, and he'd just walk back and forth like this and just talk. And the teaching gift would come in manifestation. He'd just do like this and talk, you know. And do his hands like this and then put him back and twiddle his thumbs some more. And so he was walking back and forth like that in front of the crowd. We probably had 2,000 people, Rooker Memorial Auditorium, you know, when folk went to Ramah here. Um, and uh, so a couple of thousand people in the crowd, and I was one of them. And I was sitting there minding my own business. We're watching him talk to us, you know. And suddenly he turns his head away from the crowd, looks over here, and he just keeps talking. And he says things like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I know you said that, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, well, now, Lord, yeah, now, I know you said that, but now what about, and then he prayed in tongues, and then he said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then, and then he kept walking, and then he looked at the crowd and said, do y'all see him? We said, uh-huh, uh -huh. 
He said, Jesus is right here in visible manifestation talking to me. Now, when he said that, I, I don't know how to describe the next part of that except the atmosphere. You could feel the presence of God so strong. And the next thing that happened was quite surprising to me. We, um, the whole crowd, I mean, my whole row, I know my whole row did, uh, without saying anything to anybody, all of us got up out of our seat, turned around, and knelt down at our chair and prayed hard and fast. I mean, you couldn't not pray. It was really odd and strange. So, so you know, everybody left that meeting. So anyway, he, after that, he finished preaching and ministering. But I said all that to say, Everybody and their cat that was at that meeting went and told their other animals and friends, there's a big meeting going on at Ramah. Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin. We need to go. And y'all, it was like, whoa, huge crowd the next night. They didn't open the doors until an hour before. And, and people stood out outside in the cold. And it can get cold and the wind will blow clear through you in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And waited outside. And they opened the doors and y'all, you couldn't find a seat. And there were people sitting probably in the overflow the next night. I was there the next night. And people wait, what's God going to do? And you know what? Kenneth Hagin did this. And he had a homespun Texan way of speaking. He would say, open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 6. And he just taught the word. And everybody went, huh? Wait just a minute. Jesus appeared to you last night. We expecting some zap, zam, and zowie today. And he just preached the word. And I noticed over the years that I was in Tulsa, I would go to different meetings where the Holy Spirit would manifest and there would be a, a real amazing thing occur. I noticed that the places that were balanced, they would, they would have sprinklings of manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Then they'd have times they'd just, they'd just teach the Bible. God doesn't want you, he doesn't want you following a sign or a wonder. He doesn't want you following the supernatural. He wants you following Jesus. The moving of the Holy Spirit is an after effect of obeying God. Yes or no? So if you get it any other way, you're going to mess yourself up. So here, I said all that to say, we'll have sprinklings of manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our meetings, in our services, and we'll have some, you know, sometimes if you didn't have hair, it'll almost make you feel like you're going to grow some. Hot dog. But nonetheless, we are, we're going to give room for the Holy Spirit, and that's the reason we're going to one service. So everybody say, next Sunday. We have one service, 9 o'clock, until, and it won't be any longer unless the Holy Spirit manifests himself. Is that good? You get that? So bring your friends. It'll be great. I, I want to talk to you about some things here now. I believe it's time for us to prepare ourselves uh, for the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow. Now, I want you to listen to this, Mark 16, 17. This is just before Jesus ascended uh, to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And these signs will follow those that believe, Jesus said. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, conferring confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, King James Version says, and there's books that have this as their, I've read books that have this as their, as the title of the book. And they went forth, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I've got a book in my, I think it's by Stanley Frodsham from many, many years ago, with signs following. So how many know signs follow the word? 
He said they follow the preached word. If you'll preach the word, God will confirm it with accompanying signs. Yes or no? Now, let me say this. There are times that the Holy Spirit will manifest and the pastor won't necessarily preach what he had planned to preach. But in some way, he'll be ministering life through the word. Yes or no? You can't grow spiritually without the word. Yes or no? In fact, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you'll find the more of the word of God you hide inside of you, the more the Holy Spirit will manifest in your life. Yes or no? I started jogging back in the early 80s, and, um, and I noticed that while I was jogging, I would just meditate on the word, and I would find scripture, and I've been doing this for a long time. I'd find scripture, put it in my mind, and think of it while I'm jogging. And sometimes it made me feel like Elijah running from uh, Jezebel because he outran her chariot. And I would be running. I usually did five miles in 40 minutes. But there would be times I'm meditating on the word, and all of a sudden, Yow! and I could run. <laughs> Man, I ran, I'm telling you. Oh, I ran as hard as I could run. Woo! I said, now, Lord, what is that? I felt a surge inside, and it was the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? In fact, I'm about to take a run right now. <laughs> you better look out. I'm just saying that the Holy Spirit manifests when you get the Word inside of you. The more Word you have in you, the more He'll manifest Himself. The less words you have in you, the less he'll manifest himself. Yes or no? In fact, listen to this. I marked it in my Bible during praise and worship. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Greek word parakletos, the one called alongside to aid or help the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. And bring all things to your remembrance that I've said to you. So, see, he only, he only pulls up what you put in. If you're not putting in, he's not pulling up inside of you anything, right? So if you want the Holy Spirit to manifest, get in the Word. Be a person of the Word. Uh, I've noticed I have a, a tremendous hunger for the Word now. It's just, I can't tell you. In fact, I get in my car, I'm usually plugging my Bible in on my, on my Bluetooth on my truck, and I'm just listening to the Word or praying in the Spirit or doing both at the same time. You'll find the more you get in the Word, the more the Holy Spirit will manifest. So... You know, saying that we're going to give freedom to the Holy Spirit just simply means that we're making ourselves available for Him to manifest because, uh, because signs and wonders accompany the preached Word. How many get it? Acts 4, I noticed this in Acts 4, 29, after, uh, after uh, Peter and John uh, uh, caused this um, lame man to be healed at one of the gates of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and they were, of course, uh, chastised by the authorities uh, and they had went back to their own company and had a big prayer meeting. And at the very end of that prayer, uh, uh, it says, Now they prayed, verse 29, Acts 4, Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Notice the first thing he pr they prayed for was boldness to speak your word. Then after the word was preached that, that God would stretch forth his hand to heal and then that signs and wonders. What is that? Gifts of the Spirit in manifestation would be done by the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We haven't prayed yet till the building shook, but they did. 
Get it? And then Acts 5, 12, God answered the prayer that they prayed. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And none of them, uh, the rest, dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, so that, excuse me, brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. That means when Peter's shadow hit them, they got healed. He must have had a tremendous degree of the presence of Jesus on his life. Must have had the word hidden in his heart. What do you think? Wow. And also multitudes gathering from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now that's pretty awesome, isn't it? And then Acts 14.3, I know as you continue through the book of Acts, just read this one other uh, res- uh, thing about that, verse uh, Acts 14, verse 3. Therefore they stayed there for a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. That's gifts of the Spirit. Now what caused the signs and wonders or gifts of the Spirit to be done by their hands? Well, the, the Lord was bearing witness to the word of his grace. That, what does that mean? They were preaching the word. You soak yourself in the word, the Holy Spirit will soak you. You get it? It's really amazing, isn't it? So let me read this, 1 Corinthians 12. Here's where the body of Christ is going worldwide. And I think this will be a phenomenon in the days, weeks, and months to come. You're going to see more of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ in churches and in meetings and in, in, in evangelistic meetings and in parachurch meetings, yada, yada, like we're having in America right now. You're going to see more of a manifestation of that because God's counteracting the darkness that's trying to ruin the world. Did you hear what I just said? But here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul starts out talking about spiritual gifts, and then he talks about unity in the body of Christ. And he's basically saying not everybody's going to be used by the Lord in the same way. And just real quickly, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are diversities or differences of gifts. This is the New King James Version. There are differences, you could say, of gifts, but the same Spirit. What's he saying there? The Holy Spirit is over he oversees the spiritual gifts and verse 5 he says there are differences of ministries but the same lord what's he saying there they're different ministry offices you can go to ephesians 4 the apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher and they're placed in the body of christ by the lord jesus christ so there are differences of ministries but the same lord that is the lord jesus christ that oversees the ministry offices see jesus Call me to be a pastor slash teacher. He placed that inside of me. It's a ministry office. So Jesus oversees the ministry offices. So the Holy Spirit oversees the spiritual gifts. Jesus oversees the ministry offices. And there are diversities or differences of activities. But it's the same God who works all in all. All what in all what? All spiritual gifts in all the ministry offices. What is he saying there? Whatever you're called to do, God, there will be spiritual gifts that will accompany what you're called to do. You say, well, I'm not called to any of the fivefold ministry offices. Well, God said, covet earnestly the best gifts. And what you'll find out, any person in the body of Christ who is born again and goes the next step and is baptized with the Holy Spirit, you'll find that you're a candidate for the Holy Spirit to use you in spiritual gifts. Yes or no? 
And now's the time for you to get ready to be used by the Holy Spirit in spiritual gifts because, friends, there's a whole lot of people walking in darkness. And the darkness is encroaching on the light that has come into our nation and it's seeking to drown our nation in absolute depravity. How many hear what I just said? And I don't even have to go into explanation. You know what's happening in our culture right now from the youngest to the oldest. It's just awful. But see, God's got a way to counteract it with the power of God. Yes or no? And so 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11 enumerates and lists nine spiritual gifts. Now on our website, I've taken time and I've taught over the years I've been here since 1994 a number of times on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I just finished doing that uh, the end of this past year. And on Wednesday nights, I, I always have studied and prayed and asked that God would manifest himself in spiritual gifts. I've always done that ever since I came to Jesus in 1976. And I continue to say, and I pray for the body of Christ at large. I pray for the world. You know, that, 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 that prayer that Jesus prayed, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done, and that gifts of the Spirit would manifest all over the world in the body of Christ. You need to be praying that way and then open yourself up and say, God, I'm available. If you need to, if you need to minister to someone and the Holy Spirit needs to minister to someone, count me in. I want to ask you, have you done that? Have you made yourself available to be used by the Holy Spirit? So he says here, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. All these what? All these spiritual gifts, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now there is a manifestation of the Spirit that can come. And manifestation of the Spirit simply means that, that the gift of the Spirit actually begins to operate but you need to be open and ask the Lord to, to use you in the way he wants to. You can't pick and choose, say, well, God, I think, I'll, I think I'd like to have the gift of faith. I think, I'd, I think I'd like to be used in the working of miracles. The Lord, I think I'd like discerning. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit determines. It says he distributes to each one individually, not as they will, but as he was. Now, he's been taught teaching, oh, in the last 30 years or so, uh, that basically says... Since you have the Holy Spirit, you have the spiritual gifts, and you can manifest them anytime you want to. Nothing in the Scripture says that. And anybody that tries to make the Holy Spirit do something without the anointing to do it opens themselves up to demon power. Did you hear what I just said? So I never push any of this. I don't push the Holy Spirit. No, He leads, and He urges, and He woos but he doesn't force. Anything forcing you, you got the wrong spirit, my friend. Yes or no? I'm just trying to give some balance to all this stuff. So uh, there are nine spiritual gifts. Very, very, very quickly, a summation of that is the, there are three gifts that reveal things. That's the word of wisdom. Everybody say the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge. Everybody say the word of knowledge. And then discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is where God gives you a specific amount of information that he has from his all knowledge. How many know God knows everything? But he can impart to you something, something that he knows in a moment of time by the Holy Spirit. Now, the word of wisdom, it always has to do with the future. 
It's always future. If God shows you something that's going to happen, it's the word of wisdom. And I have lots of explanation. I don't have time to give it today. And then uh, the word of knowledge. That's where God gives you a portion of his all knowledge of things past and present. If he gives you things future, it's the word of wisdom. You get it? But if he tells you about something that you didn't know by study, by learning, by going to school, by looking on the internet, by listening to podcasts, just boop, there it is. Past or present, he will let you know something. I, have, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has manifested himself. What comes to my mind right now is one of the first times this happened to me. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was on staff at a large church there. We had, we had a, a believers class for new believers and I was in the uh, Wednesday night service teaching that one night. I came up to this young man who had just come to the Lord. And I have no idea. I had no way. I don't even, I've never even laid my eyes on this guy. And when I looked at him, I said, God doesn't want you to kill yourself. He said, who told you that? I said, uh, the, I just said that. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And told me, you're trying to commit suicide. He says, that's correct. And I was able to minister to him and pray for him. Come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> Somebody left their phone. I thought it was mine, but I don't have that ring tone. I can tell you that. So the word of knowledge. Everybody say the word of knowledge. Do you know you could be buying groceries and you look at somebody and God tells you something about them and he wants you to go pray for them? Yes or no? Wow. Yeah. And then to another... Um, Discerning of spirits. I want to mention that. Everybody say discern. Discern means to see seeing in the realm of spirits. That means actually seeing into the into that other realm. How many know how many know the spiritual realms are actually more real than the natural realm? I have never in my life had discerning of spirits. I've never seen anything in the other world. And I really don't want to. Jesus said, Jesus said uh, when he was ministering to Thomas. Because he said, unless I see the prints of the nails in his hands, unless I feel him, I won't believe. And Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen yet do believe. So I've said, Lord, I don't need that manifestation. You can give that to somebody else. I'm fine. I don't need it. I, don't, I ain't looking for it. But I do know people that have had discerning of spirits. Kenneth Hagin, when Jesus appeared to him, that was discerning or seeing into the realm of spirits. And uh, there are people who have that, and some, they can deep see demonic forces. They, we have a person in our church, I won't name names, but they, they come up to me uh, regularly and tell me they see angels in the auditorium doing this or that. I have some pretty unusual things happen when I minister. Thoughts come to me that uh, I didn't think like have happened today. And had guys come up to me and said, right when you said that, there was this being, a, a, a white, it was an angel. And he was speaking into your ears. Well, I said, well, I never seen him nor felt him. He said, well, I saw him. I said, well, praise God. Wonderful, but discerning of spirits, seeing in the realm of spirits, it takes a spirit. Uh, it takes a bit of a, of a maturity to be able to handle that. How many hear me? Then there are three gifts that do something, and that is the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gift of healings. The, the gift of faith is the ability. And I, that, that, now that one, God uses me in the gift of faith. He uses me in the word of knowledge. He uses me in the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the ability to believe that what you say is going to happen. And I'll be talking sometimes, and suddenly that gift manifests, particularly when I'm praying for the sick and praying for people. And I know if I say it a certain way, that person will come back and tell me they're healed. And I've had that happen. I've had that happen 
a lot, dozens, I don't want to exaggerate, but I'm, I would easily say dozens and dozens and dozens. I might could say hundreds of times. This started happening in my life in 2009. I remember when it started. And there it is, the, the, the gift of faith. You just know that that's going to happen. And they see, that's the get often works along with the gifts of healings. I've had the gifts of healings and man, manifestation in my life. And uh, often, and they're different gifts of healings. They're different illnesses and they're different gifts of healings that have to do with the various illnesses of the human body. One person may be used in the gifts of healings in one area. Uh, another one may be used in another area of sickness. For me, anything with gastrointestinal stuff, I'm talking from your throat to the bottom. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just all, and people have come back to me over the years, over and over and over again. Well, I had this, I had that, that problem, this problem with their stomach, with their esophagus, with their intestines, yada, and it's all gone. I said, "Well, praise God." I've had that happen a lot. See, that's gifts of healings, and you know, God could use you in some of these things. How many hear me? And then the gift of working of miracles. I mentioned to the Lord the other day. I've never been used in the working of miracles. The working of miracles is when God lays aside uh, the laws of nature as we know them, and He just does what He wants to do. How many know an axe head floated in uh, an axe head floated in the Old Testament, and uh, they found the axe head, and that was a big deal to them because they needed it. How many hear me? Again, uh, when Jesus uh, turned water into wine, how many know that's working of miracles? How many know when Jesus fed the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch? Somebody said, well, the lunches were big that time. Well, they forgot that a little boy toted it around. So again, working of miracles, it's the, it's, it's the setting aside of the, of the laws of nature. How about, how about when Elijah went to the, uh, with, to the widow and uh, she was about to eat her very last piece of bread and feed it to her son and then die of starvation. And, and the word of the Lord came to him saying, you make that bread, you feed it to me first. If you feed it to me first, your oil, oil will not run out. And your barrel of flour will have flour in it the whole time until the famine is over. And that's exactly what happened. Is that amazing or what? See, that's working of miracles. You say, can that happen? We're going to see more of a manifestation of the working of miracles in the, in the days, weeks, months, and years to come because of the time we're living in. How many hear me? And then there are three gifts that say something. That is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy means inspired utterance. Uh, and then there are different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, all my life, ever since I've known Jesus, uh, this is my, into my 47th year of walking with Jesus, ever since I've known Jesus, I didn't ask for this. Gift of prophecy started operating in my life in October of 1976 in a, in a fellow home fellowship on a Friday night in a circle of people. That's the first time the gift of prophecy ever came on me. You say, what's that like, Pastor? Well, if you'll pray in the Spirit, that is, pray in other tongues after you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the power of God can rise up in you, and God can do what He wants to do with you, yes or no? So I spent time praying in the Spirit. All I can tell you is words, when the gift of prophecy comes into manifestation, you hear words inside. And sometimes it's a phrase, sometimes it's a sentence, sometimes it's the gist of a paragraph, if you want to say that, or the gist of a message, and you don't even know how it's going to come out. You prophesy, Romans 12 says, according to your proportion of faith. And so I blurted that out October of 1976, but ever since then, 
That gift of prophecy is manifested in my life. Often in what I'm praying, that gift of prophecy manifests. It's inspired utterance. Inspired by who? The Holy Spirit. What does it inspire you to do? Say words. And they're under the unction of the Holy Ghost. And then there, uh, and so the gift of prophecy, you should, be, you should be coveting to prophesy. Do you do that? If you don't, why not? Right? And then there are two other gifts, lastly, uh, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. That's in, that was on the day of Pentecost. And then Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And every single one of them in the, in the book of Acts that were baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, the way they were in Acts 2, they, were, they, they spoke with other tongues. You should expect to pray in tongues in your life as a believer you're ever baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? You say, well, I haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, you can be. And friends, if you want to walk with God and overcome all of the mess today, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be born again without receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But the power of God, it comes in full force with the baptism with the Holy Spirit if you'll walk in the light of it. Yes or no? So ever since I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now that happened today. Now if you're from another church or you're from a denominational church and that was odd to you, that manifests in my life, in my personal life usually. And when I'm praying, if you pray with me, often when I'm praying with a staff team or praying in church prayer and at home, I mean, I, uh, you know, this uh, different, that is when I'm praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues, it just comes out different. That's all I know. It's, I've never heard that lingo before. It was really odd. It sounds something I've never heard before. It's different kinds of tongues. And then the interpretation comes. Now, October, um, October 6, 2019, I've said this many times, uh, 6 p.m., I was right down here on a stool with a, with a table in front of me, and we had a church prayer meeting on a Sunday night, and I was praying in the Spirit. And as I began to pray and pray in the Spirit, it sounded like I was speaking a Germanic dialect, German. I, I've heard German, but I've never spoke German, and I couldn't say a word of German. Uh, Gesundheit. <laughs> That's about it. Other than that, nothing. And so there it was. And then right on the heels of that, up from inside of me, I heard there is coming an issue. There's coming an occurrence that will deeply, and this is my words, and I'm just summarizing. I've got it in my, in my journal. Uh, there, there's coming something that will deeply affect your entire nation and the world. And it will change life as you know it. And that's my words, not exactly the way it was said. And on the heels of that, the fulfillment of Joel, Joel 2.28 will come. That is, the Holy Spirit will manifest. Now, you know what? You know, that was six months prior to COVID-19 hitting the world in March of 2020. Y'all remember that? Well, when that hit, I, I had already been praying, and I got that different kinds of tongues interpretation. So when it hit, I never got discouraged about COVID because I knew, I knew after COVID was over, the Holy Spirit's going to start manifesting. And looky, looky, here we are now. It's over. Now the Holy Spirit's beginning to manifest. We're, in this, we're just in the early edges of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's going to circle the entire earth. Did you hear what I'm saying? The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, the prophet said. Yes or no? 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But earnestly desire 
the best gifts, yet I show you our more excellent way. Question, that word earnestly desire, we get our word zealous from that. It's the Greek word zelu. It means to be overwhelmed with a yearning for something. Are you overwhelmed with a yearning for the best gifts? If not, start asking for the desire for spiritual gifts to manifest, not just in your life, but in the body of Christ at large and in general. How many hear me? And then 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Pursue, love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So again, pursue, love, desire. Again, that word zealous, zelu, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. When's the last time you desired to prophesy? Have you been praying that way? I mean, you haven't? Well, that's what he said, right? Have you been asking God for spiritual gifts? Ever since I uh, was beginning reading the New Testament profusely after I came to Jesus and got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1976, I began to pray that God would manifest gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ uh, at large, really worldwide, and, and particularly any time I went to a meeting whether it was the church I attended at the time or it was a, a parachurch meeting with a bunch of churches together in a, in a rented place or whatever or another church. I always prayed, God, manifest yourself by the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, if the church isn't open to the Holy Spirit, how many know he ain't going to manifest himself? Yes or no? But if the church is open to the moving of the Holy Spirit, I say, Lord, let the gifts of the Spirit function as you will and as you desire. I ask you, manifest the best that you have for us in this meeting here that I'm going to in Jesus' name. Right, yes or no? So what if you started praying that? What do you think could happen? Do you think God would answer the prayer? Have you been asking the Lord for spiritual gifts to manifest in your own life? Again, if you're just thinking about you and you want people to see you, it ain't going to happen. That's why he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. If you pursue love, you're not thinking about you, you're thinking about others. So what could God do through you when you're at the Target or you're at the Walmart or you're at the grocery store or you're doing something or you're walking in the park and you lay your eyes on somebody and the Holy Spirit speaks to you to go pray for them? What could God do through you? Could he do something amazing? Philip, Philip, oh my goodness, he saw this guy in a chariot, and that was the BMW of his day, maybe, and he said, go get in the chariot with that dude, and the guy was from Ethiopia, I've been to Ethiopia, he was a black guy, and, and he sat down and plopped down in the seat, and the guy was reading the scriptures, and he said, what you reading? He was reading Isaiah 53, and Philip expounded the scriptures to him, led the guy to Jesus, and got him baptized in water. Whoo! Now, you know, that could be you. You could be somewhere, and God say, I want you to go talk to that person. It might be something simple as you know, God loves you deeply. Jesus Christ loves you very deeply. Can I pray for you? It could be something very simple. How many hear what I'm saying? God wants to manifest himself through the body of Christ. I've got another 30 minutes to speak, minimum. So you'll have to come back next service to hear the rest of this because I've got to wind this up. I've got a whole lot to say. How many hear me? I want to end with this. One, y'all got one time for one? I got this one thing. We have catered to the culture instead of to the presence of God in the American church. And God gave me a word. You want to hear this? I don't know if you want to hear this or not. 
Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I'm going to know Jesus talked about rivers and water and living water out of a well and rivers of living water. Water's alive. Or there is some really skanky water. You know, we had a, we had a, 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 a pond over here at a year. I don't know if it's still there or not, but year, when I first moved to, uh, to Raleigh in 1994, you'd come off of exit 298 coming from Cary, uh, and you, like you're going to, to uh, Garner, Nice look over there, and the, and the water retention pond. It was full of green algae. So that thing was nasty. I wouldn't want to put my f- foot in that water. Rah, nasty. See, water can be really rancid and nasty, can't it? Water that doesn't flow. Water that stagnates. The body of Christ has allowed the water of the Spirit to stagnate over the past number of years. And God's saying, make an outlet for the water to flow. Come to me and change that cistern that's broken. The Israelites, what he's talking to them about, they were worshiping idols instead of worshiping God. But you know, how many know there's a correct interpretation of Scripture, but many applications of Scripture? And an application of Jeremiah 2 is, he wants us to get rid of our old nasty cistern, and he wants us to get involved with living water, rivers of living water. Did you hear what I'm saying? How many want to be used by the Holy Spirit? I mean, really, how many want to use, or, or do you, how many just want to bless yourself, leave everybody alone, live in a cave, live in a hole, don't leave your bedroom? No, don't raise your hand, because <laughs> it's not the will of God. How many want to be used by God to bless another life? You know what I found out? You get wet with the water from the hose that you drink from. When I was a little boy, I drank, I drank water out the water hose, and it, smelled, it tasted like the water hose. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That was some nasty water, but I was thirsty enough to drink it. Well, you know, you get wet with the water that flows through you. When God uses you to minister life to others, He'll minister life to you. You don't have to be a perfect person to be used by God. You have to be a person that's hungry for God and willing to live an unselfish life. If you're all about you, God will leave you high and dry. And you may have some really stale water in your life. But if you say, God, I want to help another life and live your life in service of others, God will use you. There's people in this room you've never been used by the Holy Spirit, but God God wants to use you. God wants to touch you. How many hear me? And, you know, I don't know what it is. Those gifts of the Spirit, those are the signs and wonders he's talking about in Mark 16 and in Acts chapter 4. Do you hear me? Those are the signs and wonders he's talking about. He wants to use you. God wants to use you in a huge way. That doesn't mean you go to work and tap on the wall and say, Now, everybody listen. Power of God's here. Well, you're a fool if you do that. You're, going to be vo- you're not even going to have a job. They're going to kick you out on your rear end. No, you go do your job. Best thing you're going to do at your work is do your best. Huh? And be the best employee your boss could ever have. Be the best employee that a company could ever have. That's the best witness you'll ever have there. Huh? But if you'll pray, God may use you at lunchtime. Or God may use you at other times when you're with the people that you work with other than work time. Yes or no? Or God may use you. Listen, can we talk sometime other than church, uh, other than work, right? Right?